Seltzer Kings Podcasts. What does an 18-year veteran of the tech industry and a 20-year veteran of the military have in common? More than you might think. Welcome everyone to the, the Second, Second Act Podcast. Podcast, leveling up your life's journey. Hey, we're back, John. We are back. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, you and I met for coffee uh, with the head of communications for Higher Heroes yeah. USA and learned tremendous amount of information about that organization, Yeah, which we're proud to, to be fundraising for on December 14th. Yeah. I just, I'm excited to link up with Higher Heroes. Um, you know, obviously I've done some work with them in the past, but they are, they exist to help military members transition, make the transition from service into the public sector or the private sector. And, uh, they are just doing some phenomenal things are growing like crazy. They actually growing faster than they've got the manpower to support. So <laughs> it shows what the need is in the industry. So really excited. It, you know, what was shared with us yesterday is it's about a thousand dollars to twelve hundred dollars to get a military member transitioned into the civilian workforce. That's everything from resume writing to coaching to helping get him or her into some some placement groups, um, get them to some career fairs. So, you know, every thousand to twelve hundred dollars is helping that family transition and really providing some amazing benefits for them. So. I'm super excited to get teamed up with them on the 14th. Hopefully we can raise a significant amount of money to help get some of those service members placed. Um, but yeah, it was a great meeting yesterday. I think we got a lot worked out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, the fact that they can share um, a data point like that, where every 1000 to $1,200 creates a job uh, for the men and women who have served, as well as family members, it's not limited to just the, the service members, but yeah. also... Uh, their family members as well, and they're the leading organization doing this. Um, and I, you know, I won't go into all the details of what he shared, but the organizations that they work with, some of the fundraising events that they've done, are are really incredible. I mean, you're talking about some of the the best uh, and most valuable organizations in the world are partnering with them to do these things and. You know, us as sort of a smaller scale startup working with them uh, and helping them. Yeah. Uh, I'm honored to be doing that with this organization. And yeah. I hope uh, the December 14th event is a success. Oh, I think it will be. We've got some great uh, responses already. It's filling up. And so, man, we fill up that room. Um, it's going to be huge. So excited. Awesome. All right. Do you want to you want to kick us off, and then I'll I'll intro our guest here, Sarah, uh, who we're super honored and excited to have. Uh, but why don't you just sort of recap yeah. us on on last week, and and we'll go from there. Yeah. So hey, welcome back everyone to the Second Act Podcast with Michael and John. This is episode eleven, and we're thrilled to have another guest speaker on our show today. For those of you that are new, we Michael and I are living out our second acts in real time for everyone to hear so that we can provide the lessons learned and help you avoid the pitfalls that we have discovered, hopefully allowing you to have a more seamless and more successful journey in your life's transitions. 
On our last episode, part two of the All on the Table, where I put Michael on the hot seat to answer questions about his childhood, growing up in Miami, Air Jordans, and the events that influenced <laughs> his life and his experience in tech. Yes. Uh, we went in directions on that conversation that I wasn't expecting to go in, <laughs> but uh, it brought me back to my childhood, and, uh, and I do have some vivid memories of some of those things. Um, so I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the childhood I had and, um, and now, you know, where I am today, I, I, I want to pay it forward to everybody else, uh, who could use a helping hand. Yeah. Uh, so with that said, in this episode, we are sitting down with Sarah Gonzalez, a highly accomplished and inspiring leader who has spent the majority of her life in Texas, not born and raised, but close to it. Uh, and currently serves as the president and chief operating officer of Panorama Mortgage Group, where she plays a pivotal role in the success of the organization overseeing day-to-day operations, as well as spearheading strategic initiatives. Sarah has spent the last 25 years in the mortgage industry. She is all too familiar with navigating peaks and troughs in her industry, which is a topic we've covered uh, in the second act in entrepreneurship, uh, but it exists even within an industry uh, that you've served for a long time. Um, But on top of that, she's had to deal with the added dynamic of being a woman in a historically male-dominated field. Sarah is committed to corporate social responsibility and sustainability, integrating ethical practices and environmental stewardship into the organization's operations. She's passionate about making a positive impact on society and strives to create a better future through responsible business practices. And on top of all that, Sarah serves on the board of directors for the Mortgage Collaborative, is also a co-founder and the vice chair of the board of directors for Women of Alice. So I'm looking forward to, Sarah, you sharing a little bit more about that. Uh, and when Sarah's not working or doing all of these side hustles, <laughs> projects, uh, endeavors, she's also a mom, a wife, a daughter, who actively engages in philanthropic activities, supporting various causes and initiatives aimed at social upliftment and community development. Uh, And I'm also proud to call Sarah a friend. So lots to get into today. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for that introduction. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. Yeah, lots to talk about. I know you've done a few podcasts and I don't know if they've been industry specific. This is a little more general in nature. We could certainly go down uh, the professional working road uh, if that's an important part of your story for sure. Uh, but we uh, are open to taking this in, in any direction you want. Uh, so I think let's. It might, it's easiest to start uh, with sort of the beginning. So you're born and raised in New Jersey, yes. but mostly <laughs> lived in Texas. Tell us a little bit more about your childhood and and some of those early life events that helped shape who you are today. Yeah, sure. So um, again, thank you both John and Michael for having me on. Um, It's our pleasure. um, A little bit different than some of the other podcasts I've done, but um, I'm happy to share my story. Um, I think it's an important part of who I am today. Um, And, you know, it's it's a representation of all the fails and all the wins and uh, combined together. (laughs) um, you're, You're seeing me, right? So um, I, I was actually born in New Jersey, like you said. Um, my mother was in the Army, and my dad was in the Air Force. So they were both stationed at McGuire Air Force Base, um, and that's how they met. 
Um, they fell in love. Um, they ended up getting married. Um, and then, of course, had me. Um, now, my mom's side of the family lived in upstate New York. So my grandfather was um, a, a prison guard at Attica State Prison, for those of you that may uh, know that place. It's pretty infamous for the riots uh, back in okay. uh, way before way before I was born. But um, so we we did live in upstate New York for for a while um, while, you know, they ended up having myself and then they 18 months later ended up um, having my sister. Um, but my dad, you know, eventually was like, I've had enough. I'm from a little small town in Texas. I'm ready to move us down. And so um, I, I find that relevant because that trip my dad took from New York to Texas was done on a motorcycle without a helmet. Okay. And, wow. Uh, okay. He, yeah. And uh, long, long drive. Well, I'm sure a lot of pit stops. But, um, you know, when he got to Texas, unfortunately, he got into a very, very bad accident um, and mm. uh, was thrown off his bike, skid across the road, um, had a huge um, traumatic brain injury. Um, and, um, of course, my mom, you know, flew down. She brought my sister because she was a baby and I ended up staying up there for a while. But I tell you this part of the story because there is a lot in my story that has to do with my dad. And hmm. when that happened, it changed him forever. Uh, the person he is today is not the yeah. person he was prior to that accident. Um, and so I can get into a little more of that as we talk a little bit more about that story. But um, but that's how I got to Texas. Um, you know, eventually my dad got better. Um, and they were able to get me down and got down to Texas to rejoin the rest of the family. And, and here I am. I've been here ever since. Wow. Where, where in Texas, Sarah, if I may ask? So, yeah. So I, I grew up most of my life in a small town in East Texas called Gun Barrel City. Yes, you heard me correctly. Gun Barrel City. It's, <laughs> it's on a lake. Love it. Out in Only in East Texas. Texas. Only in <laughs> Texas. Um, and graduated um, high school there um, and even um, started my career in that small town and eventually uh, got away from the small town and headed um, up to the city, which we all call Dallas um, here. So Okay. Okay. And you, you got started in the industry in that town. What, what was your first role in the mortgage industry, if that's well, what the industry was at the time, yeah. Well, I mean, back then, you know, I was young, um, and um, you know, I, you know, part of the story of of my dad is is that you know I was out on my own before I graduated high school um, because of various things that were going on in the homestead, and um, you know, so I I found myself uh, trying to find any reason to get out of the house even before I was 18. So I was working at 15 at the local Dairy Queen, which, oh, wow. you know, got, a little, got okay. a little better as we got older, but I had a hardship to work there. And, um, and I eventually took on a couple other little odd and end jobs there. And i I used to work for this printing company that, uh, was in town and they used to make all of the like letterhead business cards and whatnot for all the folks okay. at a mobile home lot called Kaufman Mobile Homes uh, back in the day. So Kaufman okay. is a small city about 15 minutes northwest of um, Gumbrel City. And 
I used to have to deliver all of that supplies and um, they used to hound me all the time. You know, I was 18. <laughs> they used to hound me, you know, you got to come work here. You could come answer the phones. And I'm like, nah, I got yep. a great job, you know. And one day they just made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I mean, when you're 18, money talks. So, um, yeah. you know, yep. you almost don't really care what you're doing. I mean, I guess there's probably something yeah. you just don't do. But um, in that yeah. moment, I took up that opportunity. I needed the money. And, um, and, Frankly, working on that mobile home lot is where I got my first processing job, um, learning wow. how to process uh, loans for manufactured housing, uh, both new and used. Um, eventually, cool. you know, that story takes a really weird turn where I was eventually sitting on the used home lot and taking cash from people that were putting down payments oh. on homes and, you know, <laughs> uh, ran an office by myself. And I think back to this time now and I'm like, there's no way that I would ever let my 18 year old daughter do something like that. But, you know, back then I was on my own, you know, I was scrapping yeah. and, and yeah. trying to get by and, you know, needed, uh, needed to make, make money to, uh, you know, to live. So, um, wow. that's kind of where it all started. Um, you know, eventually that place closed down. Um, that's, uh, and, and I had a recruiter reach out to me about, um, a job with a company called check, which was Syntex home equity. Uh, back then, they had a huge office um, in downtown. But I took a I took a job on um, what they call MSO titling, which is basically tying mobile homes to land and calling it real estate. So I was pretty much an expert at that and and started there. So really, when you think about your my first big job, that was it because eventually I ended up moving to that big Dallas location um, there um, by the Rolex building in downtown. And I was commuting back and forth from um, from the little town in East Texas to um, Dallas, and eventually was like, I can't do this anymore. It's ridiculous. I'm on the out. I'm on the road two hours one way, and back <laughs> oh. then I did not have a nice car, so you know, um, it was tough. But you know, it was worth it at the end, and it landed me. Um, you know, jobs after that. Um, and, and I've been very, very fortunate and that, um, you know, the good hard work that I've put into things um, have, uh -huh. has really paid off and made me a little bit of a go-to. Um, you know, I've never had to really go out and find a job. I know that sounds probably really snobby and narcissistic, but um, someone's always been there. I think a lot of that has to do with faith um, and that just somebody else is out there looking after me for the make sure that I'm in the right place at the right time. But it also takes my head to make that decision, right? To so whether or not I'm going to take that risk or not take that risk. So, you know, I've been extremely fortunate um, when it comes to my career and how it's grown over the years and progressively just taken on more responsibility and more responsibility to get to where I'm at today. But I'll tell you, I started at the bottom of the bottom. I mean, when, when yeah. we talk about <laughs> answering phones and processing loans at a at a mobile home lot, um, um, it's it's that's. I mean, it can't get any rawer than that. So, <laughs> Sarah, I I was gonna say, you know, Sarah, we talk about on this show, we talk about how people that have made it to the top, they are that's when they're recognized, and people say, oh, you know, wow, that must have been really awesome that you made it to where you are now, but very seldomly are we off, are we able to tell those true stories. And I just can picture you two hours one way in East Texas 
driving for your job, I mean, that is where grit is made. And that's mm -hmm. where, you know, you have so much time to think about who you are, who you want to be and what the circumstances you're in, you know, at the moment and where those things are going to propel you. That's, you know, we talk about, again, the, the, the 10,000 or, or, you know, 100,000 hours before you become something great. You spent that time in the car developing yourself to where you are today. That's really where that molding took place, I think. Yeah, I mean, definitely had a lot of time to think about, you know, what I wanted my future to look like because I'll tell you, I didn't want it to look like the house that I grew up in. That was for sure. sure. I was not going to be that person, um, whether it be my mother or my father, uh, who both I love very much still to this day, but it, they, you know, they came with their own set of challenges growing up um, and has really defined, um, you know, who I am today. Um, but you have to consciously think about, you know, do you, do you want to be something more? And you have to make the effort, right? Um, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of faith that's in that, right? That somebody's there by your side guiding you through the way, but you personally have to do the work, right? Somebody can be there and give you hope and give you guidance, but you have to put in the hours. You have to put in the work. I see so yeah. many times over and over and over again, um, you know, where, where victims such as myself as a child uh, use that as a crutch. And some are just unfortunate and just cannot get out of that for whatever reason, whether they're stuck in a system or something along those lines. But there also is a very conscious effort that has to go into working really hard to get out of those situations. I didn't, I didn't get any handouts. I had to work really, really, really hard. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew what I could do. I didn't even know that I could do some of the things that I've done. But it took a lot of conscious effort to get <laughs> that far um, in life. Um, and I've taken jobs. I have literally taken jobs and said, I can't believe you're offering me this job. I, I have so much to learn. And they're like, you're going to, you know what, you've proven time and time again, you, you can do it. Let's, let's, like, let's, let's get in that, you know, and, and a lot of times they, they will say, people will say, that's, those are sometimes the best opportunities because you have a fresh set of eyes, new lenses on to look at things a little bit differently than maybe people have yeah. in the past. So you know, while, um, you know, I've taken some jobs without, you know, the 10 things listed on the list that are required, maybe I've, I've taken, you know, taken one where I've only had six. Um, traditionally, that's yeah. really hard for women. Most women want to fulfill every single need and requirement on sure. that list. Um, but I've taken some jobs where I haven't had all those things. And then I've grown into the role. The role has become part of me um, and wow. me not necessarily be part of the role. Wow. And there's, I mean, there's been some special people along the way that have given you that opportunity. And, and it sounds like you've risen to the occasion, even though you may not have met all of the requirements for the job, you pushed yourself to John's point earlier, um, demonstrated grit and executed on that job to deliver and maybe blow away the expectations of that person who did extend their hand and help you out to help you move up and, and get out of, you know, wherever you wanted to get out of as a younger age. And I can certainly, you know, we all come from varying degrees of humble beginnings, small town, city kid, um, middle class, poor, whatever it may be. And, you know, I, I think that is helpful in some ways because you, you sort of 
get a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. You're like, I, I can do this too. You know, it's not just the folks out there that uh, have uh, an easier, easier path in front of them. That, that helps you have that grit and push yourself. And, you know, you said your first job was working at a Dairy Queen. My first job was actually around 15, working at a little convenience store. Uh, at I played tennis um, growing up, and I worked in the convenience store, the cash business, and I, you know I was trying to figure that out. And then I was doing some bookkeeping for a a uh, it was like a, a wholesale fabric company in Miami, Florida, and just trying to do everything I could to build some skills and learn about business and learn about life. And uh, and then somehow I I wound up uh, in a in a, not, a fortunate experience someone had offered me an opportunity to do something and I didn't want to let that go and you just sort of run with that and then it it compounds itself over time Sarah what what advice would you give to that individual that's maybe in that grind season you know they're they're spending a lot of time in the car or they're spending a lot of time doing something that is potentially they feel taken away from their true potential um, and maybe feels like a breakthrough is is out there somewhere but just is mm-hmm. face down just in the the mix every day what what kind of advice would you give them going back to your you know that part of your story you know um, it's funny you ask that John because my involvement on the board and as a co-founder for the women of Alice we talk about this a lot right? Um, and, um, I go back to whether we want to talk about the car or, you know, many other times that I've been trying to find my way, right? Not just what I was going to do from a career aspect, but what did I really want out of life? Like, what did I want, you know, when, when people thought of Sarah, you know, what rang to mind? What were the maybe three adjectives that came to their mind? And so, um, one of the things that I, um, I, I, kind of talk to young uh, women about and um, that are coming up and that are trying to figure out, you know, their way is um, number one, just be honest with yourself. Um, there is some aspirational techniques that I think you can use and aspire to, but you have to be honest with yourself first and say, you know, you know, if I aspire to do these things, do I have what it takes now in order to do that, whether it be the grit to put in the time and effort, right? Um, if you're really, really trying to climb the ladder, I can tell you right now, no one's giving out their secret sauce on how to do it. Um, and so yeah. um, you have to, you're forced to learn that a little bit on your own. And I think what we can do um, from my generation and, and those that are before me still in the business, and I don't really care what industry you're in, is... Um, we can provide a little bit of that secret sauce and be a little bit of a mentor and a little bit of a guiding light to um, how do we get to those spots? Maybe not necessarily faster, but just a realization. I mean, if I could have avoided a couple of mistakes um, that I've made, um, you know, I've, 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 um, be honest, I've been married three times. Uh, all of them, uh, had their benefits. And, you know, I look back and people say, would you change anything? And I said, no, you know why? Because it, it made me who I am today. So, you know, but if I look at those things, I need somebody to talk through that, right? Because we're really good at beating ourselves up saying, well, if I would have done this or if I would have done that or if that person hadn't been in my life, you have to own that, 
right? It was your yeah. decision um, to stay in that environment or, or say those words or do that thing. And so I think, you know, my advice when you think about being in the car, driving by yourself, own who you are today. Do you even like yourself? If you don't like yourself, what do you want to change about yourself? Who do you aspire to be? Um, and once you believe in yourself and you know who you are, I feel like really the sky is the limit at that point if you're willing to put in the time and effort to do what it takes to get something done. Um, you know, I've I've got an amazing job, um, but it's a tough market right now. So yep. while I have an amazing job, it's way tougher than the job I had before because of the yeah. market. And you have to learn how to adjust and pivot and not be so full of yourself that you can't be humbled and, um, you know, make adjustments, right? Um, nobody owes you really anything, but you owe yourself yeah. um, truth and honesty. So, um, wow. again, don't know if that answered your question, John, but I, I think back when those times and um, I knew I was not going to be my parents. I knew I wanted something bigger for my life. My mother used to drive two hours in and two hours home for many, many, many years, as far back as I can possibly remember from Dallas. And while I was doing that, it's not really what I wanted to do. So how could I get into a position that I could live closer to that job? Because I was never going to get get to be where I wanted in that small town. Um, I had to make a move and I had to figure out how I was going to make that move. Um, and it took a real, took a lot of really looking at myself and saying, what are you willing to do? And um, what is that going to cost you? So. Wow. That's good. So. Sarah, in those in those moments of self-reflection, uh, those inflection points where you've even tried to figure out, is this your second, third, or fourth act? And for those listening who, who are about to experience those moments themselves, are there any stories in your journey? You, you've sort of given us the timeline and walked us through your, your personal um, mm -hmm. journey growing up and then professionally. Any, any specific pivotal moments or wake-up calls for that matter yeah. that have caused you to reevaluate what's important, what success is, and what you plan to do differently? Yeah. So I, I don't know how you categorize them. I don't know if it's 2A, 2B, 2, 2C, uh, yeah. or <laughs> if it's second, third, or fourth act. But, you know, um, my first jolt of reality happened when I was eight years old. Um, and I walked in on something that I probably should have never been privy to. And, and it was two parents arguing. But this was not just mm. any normal kind of argument. This was um, a very dramatic and physical um, and emotionally charged argument that really had no basis of even happening. Um, and my initial instinct was to help. I have to help my mom. I have to, I have to step in. I didn't, it didn't matter that I was eight. I didn't think about age or size or whether it was appropriate or not. I just had that initial reaction of charging and helping, like making it stop. Um, <laughs> and that help component is still physically built in me to me today, wow. almost to a fault, where I am able to um, look at things a little more holistically and find areas of opportunity to step in and maybe help in a situation and not even necessarily from a work perspective 
Um, I think as I got a little bit older and, you know, hit lovely puberty and started becoming a young woman, um, I think things changed dramatically with um, my father in the sense of, you know, from eight until um, maybe about 11 or 12 uh, for those four or five years, um, you know, it was just kind of like I was a gnat to him. But then once I got to that about 11, 12, you know, certainly 13-year-old mark, he started to see me like my mother. I was now a woman that was challenging what he uh, wanted done or he didn't like this or, you know, maybe he had too much to drink, whatever the case may be. Um, And that attribute of looking at, you know, my mother in that situation and then me in that situation now um, you know, made me, I believe, to be a very proud woman, meaning, you know, I know what you're doing is wrong. Um, yeah. and just because mm-hmm. I'm a woman doesn't mean that I'm doing anything wrong. The problem is you, it's not me, right? And so to be able to really understand and not 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 sit in a corner and say, well, it's my fault and I should have done this and I should have done that. Um, you know, I've gone through those moments in my life later in life um, through through um, one of my um, relationships that I've had. But, um, you know, back then it made me really embrace being a woman. And I'm not a fluffy woman. I'm a, I'm a very firm and fair, very strong person that, um, you know, can be emotional. I think I'm much more emotional now after <laughs> after certain things <laughs> have happened in a woman's life at 45. But um, but I definitely <laughs> look back on those times and I think about, you know, wow, that, you know, my dad, while he was doing a lot of naughty things, also really shaped me into the strong woman that I am today because at the end of the day, I wasn't going to take shit off no one, whether it yeah. be him mm-hmm. or anybody else. Okay, I know the difference between right and wrong, and I will stand up for what's right, and I won't stand for what's wrong. Um, and then I think as I got a little bit older, eventually moving out of my home and you know really having to sustain a lifestyle on your own, um, you know I look back on that person today, and I would say back then I felt very scared. Um, I felt very scared. I wasn't sure if I was going to you know be okay or not. Um, I had a lot of faith. I mean, I talked to God a lot back in those days, a lot, because I didn't have anybody else to talk to. You couldn't talk to school because yep. somebody would be showing up at your house. Um, that would just cause more problems. I really couldn't talk to your family's friends because they're just going to tell your parents and say that you're overreacting. Um, and then you get in trouble that way, right? So there wasn't a whole lot of outlets for me to talk to people. Um, and so I talked to God a lot. Um and um, as I got on my own, and I and I think back to that really scared girl getting on the bus one day, literally left everything, clothes, car, everything, got on a bus, go to school, and I never looked back. I have never been back home since since that time, at least living wow. from home. Obviously, I've, I've gone back and seen my mom and things yeah. now as an yeah. adult. But I think about that now, and I'm like, man, that took a lot of courage. That was a big risk. Huge. That took a yeah. lot of courage. Yeah. And back then, it didn't feel that way. Back then, it felt like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I'm scared to death. And so when I think about to that, 
and I think about some of the choices I've made as a, as a woman um, and risks that I've taken, I again, I attribute that to how I grew up. You know, I mm-hmm. was I was cornered in a wall. I needed to make a decision. Um, and those things um, require a lot of courage and um, bravery. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, being backed into a corner doesn't feel any better today than it did back then. Um, <laughs> and so other yeah. emotions come up when I do feel like I'm backed into a corner. I do think there are some negative things that have brought forward into my adulthood because I don't want to be that kid in a corner that has no way out. Um, and those tend to affect me differently in a more non-positive way. So, you know, you have to take the good with the bad. Um, if you're willing to accept your past and, um, learn from it, but that I think just, just part of living life, honestly. So. Sarah, I want to, um, go back, you know, go hearing this portion of your story now and hearing this growth from this, you know, scared eight-year-old that's confronted the issues that are right in front of her and growing in the way that you have and becoming this woman of strength and and really uh, an icon within your own industry and your community. Um, you've obviously taken that into what you alluded to earlier into the women of Alice. And you also talked about the there's three things that you help in Alice, one was honesty. I'm, I'm knowing this part of your story now. I would love to hear what those other two points are, and more about Alice and what Alice does. Yeah. So Alice, um, just to give you guys a little bit of a highlight, um, it is a 501c3 nonprofit that is um, helping women in finance, whether they're an aspiring leader or a senior leader that is looking to. Um, network and, you know, get into an inspirational room that will help them find their next um, journey. Okay. So we have a lot of aspiring women in our industry that, you know, um, want to get into executive roles or senior leadership roles. They just don't know how, right? So they're either don't know how to do it or in a lot of cases, um, you know, there, there's even women that, don't that will suppress other women right that's it you want to talk about cattiness i mean let's be honest uh women can be catty um and they don't want um anybody to supersede what they've already done so i'm obviously i'm i'm not i'm not going to claim to be that um i've known people like that but fortunately i know less of those and i know more women that are willing to help other women um find their way and so when i talk about that secret sauce item um john it's more about the mentorship, the networking opportunities, the inspirational stories. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but your podcast is about telling stories, right? Yeah. And you think about yes. all the times you're with friends or whatnot. Why not tell stories at work? Why not share those stories at work with with other people that can help learn from those stories? And so, um, you know, Alice is there to help women achieve, okay, the A in Alice, lead, inspire, cultivate, and empower, okay? And we're here to help those women um, achieve whatever they want to achieve, whether it be personally or professionally, um, and uh, through that that system. Um, We have about 65, uh, I would say, 65 
really active members. We do have um, an upwards of 80 that are involved. Maybe just um, can't always attend everything, but that network of women range in women that are less than 40 who are trying to, uh, may already have their dream job or just trying to get higher up the ladder all the way to women who are thinking about retirement. And we have conversations around, um, you know, if you're in that part of your career, how do you get on port, you know, how do you get on boards? How do you, how do you consult? How do you maybe transition into retirement? What does retirement even look like today for women? Um, you know, we have so mm-hmm. many tools and, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but, you know, we have so many tools and now and, and things today that tell us, you know, um, hey, midlife for me is probably 45. I'm, I'm probably only going to live to 90 based off what I know about my family and maybe some predisposition items in my 23 and me. I mean, if you think about all the things that are available to you now through technology, you could yeah. start to really plan your future a lot more proactively than maybe my mother's generation or the generation before her. Um, and so we really try to work with these women on... And I'm one of them, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm. I think I'm kind of in the middle. I'm a, I'm a senior leader, but I'm also aspiring to do other things um, with my life, other than just be a president and a COO of a mortgage company. You know, there are other things that I want to do in my life, and I need that encouragement and um, um, so forth through through that um, through that um, nonprofit community. Yeah, yeah, that community. Yes. Yeah, I mean the the hardships, the perseverance. The success you've achieved um, has led you to this point, and I don't know if Alice is your second act or if it's uh, just part of your second act or third act or however we want to describe that, <laughs> um, but it, it seems like this is something incredibly important to you and that community um, going forward, and, and that can sort of follow you wherever you go if you were to leave the mortgage industry behind. And all of those things that happened in your life sort of culminated into the creation of this. Uh, And then there's other things sprinkled in there um, that people are experiencing as well. We hear stories about health scares. We hear stories uh, about, um, you know, other family issues, uh, unexpected job things. What advice um, or other information can you share with folks uh, as they as they contemplate um, joining the community or pursuing something like this, you know, if they reach that midpoint in in their life, like like you have. So I, I definitely would agree with your comments about Alice being part of my second act. Um, I say a part because I think my second yeah. act, as long as well as probably some others, was in 2020 during COVID. Um, and I had a lot to think about back then. In the beginning, you know, it was, oh, you know, this is just another thing. Um, and then yep. things changed dramatically around the world. And um, <laughs> I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say I felt one way or the other. I just felt compelled to do more than what I was doing. Like I wasn't fulfilling my full potential. I wasn't, I wasn't looking at myself in the mirror, John, going, who, who are you and what do you want to be? I was just kind of playing into the day-to-day all the time and really just yeah. focusing on, ah, oh, I just got to get the kids to school. I just got to get this project sure. done. I just have sure. to have these three meetings and a dinner later tonight. I really wasn't focusing on all the things that I 
uh, that were really important to me that I just kept pushing off and pushing up. And so 2020 yeah. for me is is probably my, when my second act started because I really took a deep dive into, yes, I wanted to be have a successful career. And yes, I still wanted to be a mom and, and be a wife and all of those things. Um, but I was really, really passionate about a number of things. One was Alice for sure. And I'll, I'll come back to that. But one of them was going back to school. I had not finished my degree plan uh, to get my undergrad. And so I went back to school. Um, now, mind you, I got through a lot really, really fast. And um, now I'm kind of back to that daily grind thing and have to reevaluate. And so I'm being honest with myself saying, hey, you have to reevaluate. But another part of that was Alice. And, you know, I had been an involved in an executive women's um, summit community prior to COVID. Um, and things changed monetarily for a lot of businesses back in 2020. Um, while the business was good in the financial services sector, because of COVID, it seems like it takes a, a crisis in the world to have a good uh, um, mortgage industry. <laughs> it's kind of sad. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, a lot of people were pulling back on things. You couldn't really go anywhere anymore. And so... There were a number of us that um, had looked at, um, so I, I'm a co-founder with three other women um, who are notably on the website. Um, there's two others that are not on the website that did have a say, um, but we all came together and decided, you know, we, we had been a part of an executive women's summit that was no longer more, and we wanted to just take that platform and really turn it into what it is today. Um, we were very, very, very adamant about it being a nonprofit. I was extremely passionate about education and making sure that whether we're talking about mentorship or opportunities um, to bring in speakers to educate or whatever the case may be, um, pretty really passionate about that piece as well as the other um, co-founders. Um, our, um, you know, our goal was what I explained earlier, you know, was to go out and really make a difference in our industry um, and what perfect timing was it um, to start that. Now, we, we technically started that right, be but right before um, 2020, but it really laid into, and you know what? We still were able to keep members. We were still able to do all that stuff virtually through COVID. So we didn't have to put on a big yeah. in-person event. We actually still kept members and still mm -hmm. kept people engaged um, through that period. So, um wow. You know, those are those are things that are that were really important to me in 2020. Um, I had to get super focused on my dad. My dad had gotten really sick in 2018 um, and had asked me for some help. Um, I had struggled with him quite a bit back and forth from 2018 to about 2020 and ended up having to find him some more permanent care. Um, now, mind you, he's in his 60s at that time, and um, it was really difficult um, because he uh, because of his age. So um, so those are really kind of some of the main three things that I worked in um, back then. And I think those are three things that are still very near and dear to me now, along with everything else that I have going on. But um, it's interesting um, how a lot of that stuff kind of came full circle. But I have to remind myself from time to time, like give yourself a pinch or whatever you want to call it to to get back to what I'm supposed to be doing, because um, you get really easily caught up in the day-to-day -day stuff. And and look, at the end of the day, if anything, I took 2020 to really focus on my family. 
my marriage, being wow. a part of my kids' lives, yeah. um, really get into a place where I could get back to God um, and really focus on things that were really important to me. So while I had a lot of things I was doing for other people, there were things that I was doing with my, you know, for myself, which included those other things, but things that I were doing for myself um, in my marriage. Um, you know, I'd been on the road a lot, um, work, you know, tough jobs make for tough home lives. Um, yes. And um, especially with somebody that doesn't necessarily understand, um, you know, the industry. So um, really, really shifted a lot of my focus on my family. And I would say it's still that way today. Um, you know, if, if something's going to go long or if I'm going to miss something, I just don't anymore. I just yeah. don't. Wow. It's just a hard no. It's boundaries. Um, and I've learned that over the years that you got to create those boundaries. Uh, it's amazing how, you know, COVID <laughs> really made a lot of really strong leaders like yourself um, reflect on how they got there, what they're currently doing, and where they want to go. And so many stories I hear these leaders go back and really work on that foundation, the foundation of their faith, the foundation of their family, the foundation of the core of who they are and what's driving them. Um, and, and the true leaders that have stories like yourself from, from, you know, hold, you know, pulling up their bootstraps and, and really making it happen to where you were at 2020, um, is really reinforced in that time. Almost like a, just a pause. We talk about the second act pause or just a, a time to reflect. Yeah. And then you hit the ground right back where you were and running and charging and making such, you know, such dramatic moves again when you can. Um, it's, it's great to hear that in your story as well. So thanks for sharing that part. Yeah. I mean, I, I told you a little bit earlier about when I was in the car and I had to think about like what I was willing to give up. Okay, you give up a lot sometimes to be successful. Yeah. Um, and, um, and you know, there's a saying, uh, people will say, you know, you can't have it all. Yeah, you can. You can have it all. But on 100%, yeah. if, you look at a, if you look at a party chart of 100%, you just can't have 100% of it all the time of each yeah. item, right? right? So you got to be willing yeah. to pull those levers and adjust those levers. Over the years and even past 2020, um, those days of like, I still work really, really hard. Don't get me wrong. Anybody listening to this podcast, I still really <laughs> work really, really hard. No doubt. But I can tell you, I'm very selective about the people I let in my life. And if they're toxic or they're people that don't believe in, you know, um, that don't align with my values, um, they might be nice to haves in your life, but they're not needs to haves. And That's those need to have relationships uh -huh. have to align with the things that I believe in and the things that. I find to be successful. Um, I'm done wasting my time on people that don't genuinely care about you. They just want something from you. Um, yep. And, you know, we hear all these sayings um, in the workplace and even in friendships and even in family that you need all of these people. Maybe, but do you really? Um, and are you willing to sacrifice the things that you've worked so hard for, right? Because Back in those days, driving that car, I didn't have a family, 
I have a yep. beautiful family now, and I have a I have a freshman in college, a freshman in high school, and a seven year old son. Yeah. Um, and believe me, we're busy. But um, I'm not willing to sacrifice who I am or them for anybody. At the end of the day, and they're everything. Everything I do, um, this podcast, choosing to do this podcast, I want them to hear it someday and be proud of me. Not, yeah. Not be, absolutely. Uh, not be uh, embarrassed or or like, wow, I can't believe she did that. So, um, yeah. you know, everything you choose to do, you, you know, everything always costs something. What are you willing to pay? Yep. What are you willing to give up? And just some non-negotiables for me are, are around my family and just my sense of ethics and responsibility um, to myself health-wise and just sanity-wise mm-hmm. and to... Um, okay. what I want to give back to, give back to, um, you know, everybody. Society. That yeah. Yeah. It's good. So Sarah, your, your life journey, all of these events, you sort of wrapped them up into the, in the, the newfound perspective you, you have and continue, yeah. um, to uncover. They've been wrapped up to, into a permanent reminder called Fortaleza. Is, am I pronouncing that correctly? Fortaleza. Fortaleza. And we're not talking Fortaleza. about the folks, okay? So yeah, tell, it, tell <laughs> us a little bit about that. You know, you look in the mirror and you see so many versions of yourself. It just depends on maybe how much yeah. sleep you got or maybe how proud you are of something <laughs> you did. I don't know. But, um, I, you know, I don't, I, I guess I don't want to say that I've, I've now branded myself, but you know, I, I, I did give myself a tattoo. Not, I did. I paid somebody to give me a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did not give it to myself. However, it is my, it is my handwriting. So, it, um, okay. at, if I'm on camera, I'm in the mirror. I can see it. Otherwise, I really can't see it. But, um, okay. it is a permanent reminder, um, Michael, of the journey. And Fortaleza, in it, it is, uh, it is a word in Spanish. Fortaleza is the word for like fortitude, like fortified, like strong. Um, you might get okay. a couple bricks knocked off your castle, but you're still standing. Um, you may not be perfect, but you're still standing, you know. And I think that wraps me up, not necessarily the events of my life, but it represents who I am. I am my own castle. Yeah. And I have I have had people try to climb the walls and infiltrate me in a way that may not be healthy, I've had people infiltrate and be very healthy, um, you know, get a mm-hmm. family through that. Um, and then there are people that try to knock you down, try to take over what you're doing, um, try to take your ideas, um, any of those things. And I still stand strong after all of those attacks or, you know, things that have happened to me over my life. And um, I just think it's, it's how I feel. It's a permanent reminder of how I feel about myself. And so when I'm feeling like maybe I'm not strong, that is a permanent reminder that, yes, you are. And while it may seem something hard is going on in your life, just think about all the stuff that you've gone through your entire life. There are some things that just cannot be tougher than, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so That's you have to put perspective um, in some of the things that you might um feel weak about or not sure about sometimes um, and just put it in perspective because a lot worse things have happened um, and I've been able to overcome those um, things so um, again it's about having that faith um, 
too, right? It's that it's that constant reminder of, you know, you're gonna be fine. Some it'll work out. It always does. I don't know how it always does, yeah, but yeah. it just does. And you're still standing and you haven't compromised who you are as a person um for other people. Wow. Absolutely. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. But I do get the tequila comment. They're like, why do you have tequila tattooed on your arm? I'm like, no. <laughs> Man, Sarah, that's that's awesome. Good. Michael. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we're, we're coming to the end of the time we had planned here. Sarah, are there, are there any final thoughts or advice that you want to share uh, before we start to wrap things up? Um, just be kind. Please be kind. Um, you don't have any idea what somebody is going through. Yeah. And um, the world can't really take a beat up on everyone. And, and some people just aren't as strong, right? And just when I think I'm strong, there's people stronger than I am. So just be kind mm-hmm. to one another and know that there are some people that are going through way tougher times than you possibly could be. And if you can just be a friend or even a good listener... Um, the world would probably be a lot better place. That's good. Wow. That is an excellent way to wrap things up here. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. Um, and I guess a, a last question for our listeners, um, how can they find out more about the women of Alice and some of your passions? What's the best way for them to, to find you and your organization? Absolutely. So um, if you're interested in Panorama Mortgage Group, we do have a website. You can um, approach us that way. Um, Certainly, I'm available on LinkedIn and other social media outlets like Instagram and Facebook. Um, If you find me on LinkedIn, you might have to look me up um, with my main name in there. So um, that would um, um, might be a challenge. But if you can if you can look up Sarah Batangan Gonzalez, um, that's how you can find me on LinkedIn. You can always um, instant message me there. Um, but reach out if you have questions um, for um, how to get involved with Alice. Um, we do have a website too, womenofalice.com, um, um, that you can also go out and take a look to as well. Um, a lot more about that um, program and how we sponsor women um, and grant them the opportunity to um, visit with others. So That's awesome. I, I, I love that acronym. Military is all about acronyms, but sometimes they're not as powerful <laughs> as that one. So I'm, I'm hanging on to that one. Um, Sarah, it has been a pleasure. Um, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk about where you've come from, the the ways that you became who you are, and, and now how you're giving back inside your community. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. I know that our audience um, is going to get a ton out of this episode, and um, man, I, I know I learned a lot. I know I've been inspired, and um, I want to um, encourage our listeners to reach out to you and really dig into to the other things that you're doing because it's pretty empower, empowering and impactful. So thank you so much. Thank you for letting yep. me share my story. Um, Sharing stories um, is always wonderful, but it's scary at the same time because you want to be careful about how much you share. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's true. It's progress for me, and it's a heal. It's part of the healing process. So thank you guys for letting that's me. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. On the show. Thank you, Sarah. Always a pleasure. I echo everything John has said. 
uh, and you continue to impress me. Um, so uh, all the best in your uh, growth of Alice, and we shall stay in touch. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Michael, all right. see you next week, brother. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, Sarah. The second act with Michael and John stars Michael Newborn and John Ballinger. The podcast is produced by Seltzer Kings. For more information on the show, check out michaelandjohn.com. Or if you'd like to get involved in the conversation, give the guys a shout on their socials at The Second Act with Michael and John on most platforms. Thanks for listening. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.